I don't know how far Pastor Curtis took you guys. He's, huh? You've done the whole world. Are you just saying that so I don't ask questions? Really? You guys look like naughty kids, though. I don't trust that. I don't trust that. Uh, LaBelle, I, I think he used to sit at the back of class and cause trouble. You were a front seater. Are you sure? Ali, I know, is a front seater. But I think the majority of SPAC were all those who used to cause trouble in school. SPAC is the gathering of troublemakers. Megan is here. Amazing. SPAC is the gathering of troublemakers. Doctor, good to see you. You see, that's how I need you to look in the morning. Hello. Don't come here wearing pajamas. Gifty. I know you live across the road, but it's not an excuse. You know it's being recorded, right? I like doing that, and I'll tell you why. Because when Pastor Toby used to do leadership class for us like five years ago, he would say the most ridiculous things. And when me, myself and Peace, I'm listening to it now, it's, it's very funny. Because then you're like, how was I like that? I remember when Pastor gave a charge, like, I need you guys to go and raise seed. And he called myself, Obi, and Pastor Sam to give us the amount we're going to sow. He said, no, nah, I'm going to give you guys a big amount to sow. Huge amount to sow. Away from everybody else, but I need you guys to really sow. Do you know how much he told us to sow? <laughs> That's why it's good to record things, you know. Guess how much he told us to sow? Huh? Okay, what did you say? Huh? Deborah. 200. 500. Okay, 500, raise your hand. You're in the five. Okay, you're in three. Raise your hand. You're in two. Raise your hand. So that's how you guys rate us. <laughs> Spark Nation. Pastor Sam. Pastor Obi. It was like four years ago. It's like 200 pounds. <laughs> huh? Five. 5K. 5K. <laughs> uh, and how much? Ah. Hmm? It can't be more than 200. The bell's not written at all. These are, these are strong leaders in Spark Nation. It was not 300 last year. Last year, that was it 300 last year? I be, but obviously, people like us didn't do 300. I've named you three people and I've told you how much did they sow four years ago. No, individually. Junior boy or me, 300 pounds. Do you know how much it was? We knelt down in front of him. He blessed us. He blessed us and said, go and sow 200 pounds. And we ran out of the church with our bank cards looking for 200. 
just show you where where people come from. Yeah, you were. I was just upset that you were right. <laughs> I was I was upset that it was the truth. Two hundred. Ah, and he prayed for us, you know. He prayed for us. We knelt down. I'm being very serious. I'm not exaggerating. We knelt down. He prayed for us. Like, yeah, now go forth. <laughs> uh, now, now, it may sound like just an irrelevant joke, but I'm speaking to you about movements because if you did the homework, did you do the homework? I still don't believe you, though. Uh, Curtis, did, they, did you question them on this homework? Did you do the homework? Just in case you're, just in case you're covering for them. He said, yeah, Santua. Father doesn't technically mean as a man. She didn't find anything. Remember now, a founding father is someone who does what? What's the definition? Definition of a founding father, my sister. Hey, 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 hey. Can you please give the mic to the person who's going to answer? I want the mic to go around very quickly. What is the definition of a founding father? Just off the top of my head. It's a person who's recognized as the head of a nation, a military army, or government. I like your answer. It's right. That's right. Any other dimension to that answer? You're a smart girl, aren't you? So a founding father is someone that starts or helps to start a movement or institution. Is that Google? <coughs> Are you reading from Google? Where's my notes? Oh, your notes. My sorry. notes. <laughs> Go on. Okay, uh, Minister Nini, just the definition and then we'll get into what we need to um, A person who is credited for establishing a nation who's either played an influential role, influential role in setting up a system of governance um, and can also be a military leader of a war of independence. Very good. Mr. Silva, you have anything for me? Definition. <laughs> okay. There's going to be a debate about Yah Santua now. The pioneer of Ghana. Was she, was she a wealthy woman? Was she a wealthy woman? She had what? Is that, are you speaking English? What did she say? In English, it was plenty so gold. gold. Plenty gold. <laughs> okay. Okay, let me ask you a question. Can a founding father be in an industry? Okay, give me an industry and give me a name. Go on, Mr. Silver. Say into the mic. The Bellway Industry, George Stefferson. Fantastical. Yes, Ms. Jenkins. Steve Jobs, the technology. Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely, he's a modern founding father. Anurin Bevan, NHS. Who? Anurin Bevan. He Who founded the NHS. Is it? I thought that was um, Tony Blair. 
Wow. I trust you, you're the doctor, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> I thought, seriously, I thought it was Tony Blair. Alexander Hamilton, who founded the financial system in America. Okay. <laughs> Cor uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt, the railway system in America. American railway system, yes. Okay, another industrialist. Yes, um, I want to hear from Junior Boyer. Junior. Um, Amadou Bello, politics. Where? Nigeria. Okay, yes, I took that, definitely. Abubakar. His name is Abubakar, by the way. I'm not, I'm not being silly. Um, Carnegie, Carnegie still. Andrew Carnegie. Okay, so what about in education? Okay, let me ask you a question. Is Albert Einstein a founding father? In what? Math, science, which one? Decide. Wait now. I want to have fun before I start. In what? Go on, Ms. Jenkins. He founded the theory of relative, relativism. Relativity, that's uh -huh. it. In what? In physics. He's a, he was a physician. Okay. What about Isaac Newton? Lola, do you know who Isaac Newton is? Yeah, kinda. Does he DJ? What about Isaac Newton? Quickly now. No, Miss Jenkins, no more. <laughs> she was. She went to school. We know. Yes, Pastor Curtis. He discovered um, gravity. N yes, yes. But is it discover? Do we use the word discover? It was a discovery because he talks about how an apple slapped his head and stuff like that. Yes. Okay. So he. Um, the word discover gravity now in every nation let me just start in every nation you have your notepads you have your bibles yeah every nation has a founding father and every nation has lost sons and we're going to be speaking about founding fathers and lost sons. And I, as I get into it more, we'll understand exactly what the Lord is trying to teach us today, this morning. Spark Nation has so many wins this week. So many wins. And they don't know it now, but hope dealers are founding fathers. They don't know it now, but they are founding fathers because they were once lost sons. So many wins in our nation this, this week. And I don't know if you've realized, but, you know, we broke the barrier of media last year. We broke that barrier in November when we appeared on the FT. 
yeah? And it was so expensive to break that barrier. It was a huge deal for us, yeah? And we were retweeting and, you know, Pastor was on Periscope and all kinds of things. And what I begin to realize is when you break a barrier and you continue to concentrate your effort in that place, it becomes easier or cheaper to win. Do you get what I'm saying? So this time around, approaching November again, do you, can you believe that we're not yet even a year gone from the FT event? But look how much media attention is on the nation. And now, some of us don't even bother retweeting. It, it, it no longer feels like a, a, an exploit. Are you getting what I'm saying? The cost of it within this nation is cheap, but it's still expensive outside. Are, are you with me? There is no other church that's been on secular media the way we have in SPAC Nation. Even abroad. Even in the United States. And those who are within revival sometimes will not be able to see or know that they're in revival. Revival is the kind of thing that onlookers can see, but you who are within it, it looks very normal. You know it's not normal to go into your workplace as a doctor or a pharmacist and begin to evangelize to other doctors and pharmacists. You do know that what has been happening in the church before, when people are, are filling up their churches, they're filling them with uh, I believe it was um, Evangel Kinder said this. I can't remember how she put it. They're filling them with souls from other churches. You're not really fishing. You get into a big church and you say, oh, so what was your past life? And the person tells you their past life, they begin to speak about another ministry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, these are, these are the things that tell us exactly where we are. We are in revival. We're not praying for it. Do you understand? We're not praying for it. The longer you remain inside this, the more you become attuned and you begin to adjust to the speed of the nation, you can no longer tell how fast you're moving. It's not been a year. Okay? And... Within that year, there's been so much, so much media attention. But I think there's another barrier to break this year, which is financial. And I'll tell you why I believe that. I'm not just trying to be, oh, let's speak about prosperity, which I love and enjoy. But I just want to tell the truth. It's only in SPAC Nation that Goldman Sachs is like Tesco. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? You go to another ministry, tell them you work in Goldman Sachs. They will appoint you leader that same day. Oh, young lady in Goldman Sachs. Ah, let's make her the woman's leader. In SPAC Nation, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Goldman, some of you don't even know the name properly. <laughs> So when you're inside revival, if you're attuned and adjusted to the speed of the revival, you can't really tell how fast you're moving. 
It's like being inside a plane. Do you understand? You can't tell the speed as to which this plane is moving, but there's serious distance being covered. We've got another Goldman Sachs person, and again, this person is like, they're, they're shoving it in her mouth. Please, just go, just go, just go. Someone else is designing their CV, practicing interview stuff, buying uh, office clothes. They're here, they have Goldman Sachs interview. They come there looking like mammon. They just go there looking just dressed up. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to your interview not dressed up. But you get what I'm saying, right? I don't know how we manage to make these things so cheap. But I do know because it's the sacrifice we've been making in the unseen realm. I need you to know that when you're living in the unseen, it doesn't necessarily mean you can't see. I'll say it again. The unseen births the seen. Hmm? But when they say unseen, they don't, it does not mean that, oh, it's the realm that you cannot see. It just means it's the part that comes before the real part. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So a group of young men go into Mayfair. They don't really have a job to do. They just take risk. And they're paying office rent month by month. Yeah? They're paying office rent month by month. And they know we don't really even work here. We're just here. But then they don't understand that the office rent they're paying month by month is seed. They don't understand that the rent they were paying month by month was the sowing into the unseen. The scene is to come 12 months later. You, you don't understand. There's relationships you get into. It's the unseen for a scene to come. And you're sowing into that person, but that person represents the, the person you are supposed to meet. That's why the scripture says, for some of you have entertained angels without not knowing. Some of you have entertained the unseen without knowing. You've met someone that you've sown into. It does not mean, oh, it's actually an angel from God. He's saying, no, your relationship with this person is the unseen. There is still yet a relationship for you but this is not the one. It looks like the one, but it's not this. You know, we spoke about the central banks and inflation. And I don't know how many of you have noticed what's going on in Venezuela. You know, this showed a young kid playing with money. Yeah? Did you see it? They were throwing away money like it was rubbish. Imagine waking up and you just see 10-pound notes, 50-pound notes being poured into your bin. Yeah. 
and you just see the bin man collecting 50 pound notes. So they became, the, there was a huge refuse site just packed with money and children were there playing with money. And what I was trying to say to you that last week was there's a place you can get to where you can make your sowing worthless. If you allow yourself to fall into the trap of inflation. You know, inflation is when something is overvalued. Do you understand? It's not got much value. They're overvaluing it. Do you get what I'm saying? Does it sound like something to you? Does it sound like pride? When a person decides that they're here, but they're really here, pride the beginning of every sin. So when, we, when, when people begin to fall into certain things, what you're doing is you're just inflating the price of your currency. Whatever it is you used to pay for to win, it becomes more expensive for you to win. Don't get me wrong. When, when I hear Pastor Toby say things like, oh, I didn't pray today, please don't try it. Don't try it at all, please. Pray. <laughs> because this guy has been, he was preaching at eight. Yeah? I wouldn't risk it if I were you. Founding fathers, lost sons. Let's go to Luke 15. I just want two versions of that, NKGV and NIV, if possible. Luke 15. Are we there? If we can get to verse 11. If someone can read for me from verse 11. NKJV. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he set, sent him into the field to feed swine. And he, would have gladly, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. 
But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the, fatten, bring the fatted calf hair and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. Okay, just stop there. Can someone else go to Psalm 87? And then I want another person to read Luke 15 again, verse 11. What version did you read, Pastor? Can someone read NIV for me, please? Do you want Luke 15 in NIV first? Luke 15, verse 11, NIV. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Okay, stop there. Can someone read Psalm 87, please? Yeah, NKJV. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gate of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia and Tyre. You have to read this name properly, you know. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gate of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia and Tyre, with Ethiopia, sorry, this one was born there. And of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself shall establish her. The Lord will record when he registers the peoples, this one was born there. Okay. Minister Leah, read that Luke 15 verse 11 again, please. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. 
the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Okay, so there was a man. This man had two sons, okay? These two sons, now one of them, the younger one, said, Father, give me my inheritance. Are you going to help me teach? Father, give me my inheritance. So the father did what? He divided. Not long, let me read verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Do you know who the Lord is speaking about here? You've got your notebooks with you, yeah? There were two sons in the beginning. And when Genesis speaks about heaven and earth, it's speaking about two children. Okay? The man on earth and the man in heaven. And of these two, only one of them asked for an inheritance. Are you with me? At what point does a father hear his son asking for what belongs to him? It already belongs to the son. But the son is asking for it. When you get to Genesis and he says, and then the Lord separated the heaven from the earth, two children. But the earth guy, who yet did not have a name, you know, he said it's earth because he hadn't called him Adam yet. He yet did not have a name, but then inside him was the groaning for his inheritance. Adam began to long for his inheritance. The man of the flesh. You know, when you get into situations and position where you feel yourself bubbling up, I don't know if that's happened to you. Something good is about to happen and self just starts to bubble up. And all of a sudden you get very territorial. <laughs> you get very territorial. You don't you want to make sure that man of the heaven is not going to partake. 
Are you with me? Something good is just about to happen, but let me keep it to myself. Oh, the amount of things that have been reduced to rubbish because it's going well and just before everything is done, that earth man starts to cry out, saying it's time for us to get territorial. Make sure we're separated from the other guy. So you begin to see that person start blocking people out. Are you with me? You know, I can't speak like this on Tuesday, right? No, there's newcomers and all those stuff. We speak like this on leadership class. So if then both those sons came from God, because there's a way we've probably seen this story before. Oh, that young son, such a bad guy. Hmm? Ah, how could he do that? How could, you know what, he reminds me of my younger brother. You know, you, you begin to say things to yourself. How could he be like that? How could he ask for something that was his, it was his nature? It was in him, it was his makeup. Despite that, he is his father's son. Did Satan create your flesh? Despite that he's his father's son, it's already inside him to ask for something prematurely. But you see, that thing that's inside him, what the father has now done is the father has set it up in a way where he can use that thing for good. Are you with me? <laughs> you know, it's, it's this scripture that made me understand the reason why Christ needed a flesh. He had to have a flesh. Without, you know, without a flesh, Christ could have never died for you. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country where he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. But you remember what I just said to you about the younger son and I told you who he is. Man, Adam. So Adam desired, desired, desired until he ate the fruit, yes? That was his inheritance. The tree of life. The inheritance that the father always planned to give him. But he must ask for it before time. Are 
Are you hearing me? And so the same way how the Lord says this younger son took this inheritance and left. Adam took this inheritance and left. And Adam began his journey into the world. This young man began his journey into the world. Are you with me? Began to engage in wild living. The, the young man did not know that the inheritance would bring sin on his life. Adam never knew that if I, if I eat this thing that is really my inheritance, I have sinned. Are you with me, Tulsa? Are you with me, Brixton? And we'll soon get to the reason why I'm breaking it down to you like this. I don't want excitement. I just want you to really get it. Because now I understand the reason for the world. Adam became a lost son. And we do know that what the Lord has said about lost sheep, yeah? If you go to that Luke 15 and you read again, if you go up, go to verse 4. Go to verse 4. No, start from verse 3. And then, read 3 to 4. Then Jesus told him this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country mm. and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Doesn't he leave the 99 in the garden and go after the one that ran away from the garden? Adam began his journey into the world out of the garden. Lost sheep. You know, Adam, Adam walked this journey. The guy never really died. He walked this journey because, you see, hmm. do you know the next time we saw that guy? Do you know the next time we saw him? Wait. So then God called Abraham out of his uh-huh. God called Abraham out of his father's house and Abraham did what? He journeyed with God to the point where God then said to him, take your son and I want you to kill your son. I want you to sacrifice your son to me. What Abraham didn't know is that there's a guy who has died that he has not yet killed. Wait, Adam is still on his journey. There's a guy who has died that he's not yet killed. So Isaac is there now, about to be slaughtered by his father. And then they stop Abraham. Stop, the Lord has provided a lost sheep. Do you know, they found him the same place they left him. 
a lost sheep hiding in the bushes. Is it too, is it too gra-gra? Are you sure? <laughs> You're getting it, yeah? I'll soon tell you why all of this. Because it would have been unlawful. Abraham, don't kill your son because the wages of sin is death. So he does not deserve to die. But there's another son I have that asked for his inheritance before time. He's been on a journey. We never got the chance to kill him yet. Abraham took his son, died. He's a representative of Christ. Abraham's son carried the bush. You know, they say everything. Yeah, it's not wrong. But there's a place you get in the word. When your eye just open. Let me tell, let me tell you something about this book. Just read this book. I swear to you. Just read this book as much as you can. And ask for the Lord to open up your ears. Yeah. And your eyes. Do you know what happened to me yesterday? Because of how this book has now opened to me, and again, you can only grow in the word if your leader is growing in the word. So we thank God for Pastor Toby. The same way all this thing is coming out to me, I was in the middle of a meeting with Pastor Toby. With this group, this financial group, and they were talking, he was talking. They were talking. He was talking. And I'm just there in the middle. I promise you, see what happened. In the middle of the conversation, I was hearing another conversation. <laughs> I realized, okay, so this is how he does it. <laughs> I'm really trying to break something down to you because I've, I'm really trying to break something down. This is the level I expect every leader in Paul's family to be operating on, okay? So they're having their conversation, but in the middle of that conversation is a conversation. Now, that middle conversation is what they're really agreeing on. I'm now hearing that middle and I'm writing, not knowing that's the solution as to what they're saying. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to make this thing simple. Yeah, go on. I was there sitting down with them. I didn't go anywhere. Possibly. I'm just saying that your ears get sharper because of the word. And what human beings are really trying to tell you, you begin to hear. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So, someone can sit down with you and want to go into business with you. And they can say all kinds of things. And if your ears haven't gotten sharp, all you do is you take home face value what they said. And then you wonder why nothing happened. No. What they're speaking is word. 
If your ears are sharp enough, your ears will not hear what they're saying. Your ears will hear what they're trying to say to you. Then you begin to write down what they're looking for. Because I said to myself, how is it that Pastor Bill get into a meeting with someone and just come out with a solution? Because, and I'm going to get into what we're saying, but I just really wanted to break this down. All kinds of things are happening. And so much open doors around me, but I know in my spirit, I know that I'm looking for which life to connect to who. Wait. I'm looking for which life to connect to a life giver. There's only two men God has created, Adam and Eve. Yeah? If there's an Adam, there's an Eve. If there's an Adam, if there's, there's an Eve. Do you understand? Yeah? So, in life, what you're doing is you're just trying to pair people. That's all you're trying to do. Because although this guy is living his life and he's enjoying himself, he doesn't yet know that he's lonely. That's your job. I see Faye, but it is not good that he's alone. He doesn't know that. Did Adam know? So what I have to do now is get an Eve and bring to him. Then the result of their coming together is my benefit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah, so... We're not just going around blindly just evangelizing to people. What you're doing is you're building a bank of Adams and Eves. You build that bank and then your job is to start connecting. I'm saying to myself, this guy does this, this guy does this, this guy does this, this guy does this. But where is the connection? Because although there's so much power circulating... There's still nothing to my benefit because I haven't matched them. <laughs> are, you, are you with me? I'm just saying that I never knew up until yesterday how important it is to grow in God's word. And we say it, sincerely we say it, but if you experience it, She's talking about banking. He's talking about banking. But somehow between banking, you're hearing something else. <laughs> and then what you're hearing is what you then propose. And then they get goosebumps. They go, yeah, that, that's, that's what I've been trying to do. I didn't know that when every man opens their mouth, they're just speaking word. But the same way you can sit down and study the word and say, ah, I just got revelation from the word. You can sit down with someone and look at their words and say, I've just seen what they're trying to say. Are you hearing? So yes, this son 
wandered away because he wanted his inheritance, which he took before time. He was trying to take his inheritance before time, so he hid in the bushes. Wages of sin is death, so they still had to kill him. They found him in the same place. Abraham, look in the bush. Do you see the, the, the foolish goats there? Yeah, kill him. Are you with me? But I'll tell you something. It seems like we should put all blame on this son. But unless your son goes to Egypt, you can never win the Egyptians. Founding fathers and lost sons, you're not finding nothing unless you have a lost son. What are you finding? The people you all named, what were they doing? They were finding something now. Independence is something you find. But you've got to be under rule, right? You've got to be lost first, yeah? The importance of winning souls. Don't just go out there plucking people. Like I've, I've won leaders in Don't waste your time on no um, people from other fellowships. What kind of nonsense is that? It, it, you're, you're personally insulting me. Don't try it. If they come, they come. Don't, don't start convincing no one to do anything. And if anyone wants to leave, tell them, hey, it's Spark Nation. Go somewhere else. You're still in the nation. Because I'm looking for lost sons. If I'm going to be a founding father of anything, I want to find those who have departed from the country. I want to find those who have left the garden. Are you with me? Abraham, come out of your father's house. Come out, come out. I'm going to send you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Do you know where the guy ended up after such a big statement from God? Egypt. <laughs> How? How can you find a country if you can't be lost in one? So, there's, yeah, Abraham messed up. He took Hagar. He did not mess up. You know, this is why it's very, very important. Do not go against men of God. Because even their mess up is like some kind of plan. God goes, I need you to take that nation, a woman from that nation, before I give you your own. Are you hearing me? So all that Jarrah, Jarrah in Egypt. Oh, Abraham, you messed up. You should have gone straight for the promised land. No, no, no. I need a lost son to direct me. The lost son is coming back with information of that nation. Do you understand? Because you've never been there before. 
So when David decided to go and raid, he had to find the Egyptian man on the side. Read your Bible if you don't know the story. David said, I have to go raid. I have to go and recover what was taken from me. But he needed the Egyptian to point him to where. Adam, your journey into the world was because I always knew that man would be lost from me. So, yeah, I needed a connection to them. That's why I said to you, Christ had to come with flesh. Because flesh itself is the only thing that can be connected with the world. If not, God is going to send down a spirit who don't know where we are. And then God will forever, forever be looking for you. He can't find you. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro the earth looking for a man. He can only find a man if he looks like one of those three, right? But he must look like his son, isn't it? You, you do know that's why Christ could not die until he had taken on. What did the father say when he saw his son? What did the father say when he saw his son? My son who was dead. I'm not going to break that one anymore for you. You get it. My son who was dead. I'm just saying that if we're really going to do this thing and win, there's a, there are souls that we should put our concentration on. There are people, go to that Psalm 87. In fact, let, let me see if I can go there and read it. Oh my gosh, Pastor is on Periscope. And I read, he has found his city on the holy mountain. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are said of you, city of God. I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me. Are you hearing that? I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me. Philistia too and Tyre along with Cush and will say this one was born in where? 
So all along, Babylon is just a lost son. All this time, Egypt, the filthiness of Egypt, Egypt was just what? Because unless it's a lost son, why are you bringing him back to the father? For what reason does the father need someone who is not a part of the family? So when the Lord sends us out and says, this person here, your work is in healthcare, in the NHS. You're not going there to start a women's fellowship. Okay? The Lord is saying, I don't need a women's fellowship. But I'm looking. I had 100 sheep, but I've only got 99. But I have a feeling I can sense one of them there. By now, let me just warn you, my daughter, by now, he probably looks Babylonian because he's been missing for so long. Don't go there looking for other people but Babylonians and Egyptians. Are you hearing me? Unless you find Rahab, Unless you find Rahab, then there's no use. Because all the father is looking for is his lost son. I told you guys, there's an easy way to evangelize. Change the life of a soul. If you can change the life of a soul, their angel will evangelize for you. Do you remember I said that? And I used scripture. I spoke to you about Job, and I said to you in Job, there, point blank for you, that the angels will come at a certain point to minister to the Lord. These angels belong to people. Some of them are going to minister, and they're saying, Lord, I haven't found my soul. Oh, how sad I am because I haven't found my soul. I'm still looking for my soul. And Lord, I can't go into the earth because I'm not a man. But until one of you bring that soul back, you change the testimony of that angel. Isn't it? He comes before the Lord and says, Lord, I'm overjoyed. That's why it says there, It speaks about the jubilation of the father in his son coming back. Easy, simple codes, how to win. Oh, I just want to make the Lord happy, so I'm going to go into four hours prayer. Shut up, you fool. Just, you're just talking rubbish. You're just, you're just saying things. He doesn't want to hear from you. Easiest way to pray. You get this soul that's lost, you bring them back to their father, and the father's going to, oh, hey, 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 who brought you back? 
uh, is one lady called Ebon. Ebon. You know what? It's not the first time I've heard her name today. Uh, open the file on Ebon. I want to see her. Oh. She's a minister. She's a pastor. She's leading people. What can we do for her? And the angel is just excited. says, see, right now, just do anything. Just do anything. So, you find it that, because <laughs> I used to wonder sometimes, my dad, I've never heard my dad pray in the spirit, you know. The first time I heard him pray in tongues was just like maybe a few months ago when Pastor Toby came to our house. And it shocked me. I got scared. I was like, what? So I, I had to stop in the middle of the thing and just look at him like, wow, you know how to pray in the spirit. But why do you have so many wins? If you sit down with that man, he will tell you, I can never be in a place where I don't sow. I see someone in need, I give. I meet men of God, I give. So now I know you've just been cheating the whole time. Morning, afternoon, night, I need my name ringing in heaven. Because the Father only has an excitement for one thing. Do you understand? His excitement is just for one thing. Yes, it's great. You're growing in the word. But are you helping him on what he's looking for? So when the son that he loves came to earth, the son that he loves said something. The son that he loves said, did you not know I'll be about my father's business? Did you not know that the first place I would be in is where they look like that Adam guy that got lost? Did you not know that the first place I will go is where my dad is trying to get to? Because Adam has gone missing and we're looking for him. Are you with me? So you see Christ surrounded by those who are lost. Do you get it now? What are you saying to me? Why are you asking me that? Asking me about food while I'm speaking. Where was I? If I, if I don't get what I'm saying, you blame that person, man. Huh? You just put me off. Asking me about croissant and juice. croissant and juice. For all I care, we speak and we go home. We drink water. Or we can even use the water from the toilet. Just open the tap. Tap water. When you're in a restaurant and they offer you tap water, where do you think it came from? You guys are looking at me like I'm saying something scary. Oh, no. It came from heaven. <laughs> Next time, don't step inside the restaurant. You want to save your money. No, just bring me tap water. Just tap water, Mike. Oh, I should bring tap water. Oh, what? They'll go to the back. 
and they fill a whole big bottle. <laughs> I know where it's coming from. It's from, of course, it's from the toilet tap. Huh? No, the, the lemon is to dilute everything. You know when you, so, uh-huh. So you know those places where there's more than one um, slice of lemon. Don't drink that one. They really want to work on that water. <laughs> it would be just be slicing it anyhow. <laughs> I will record Rahab and Babylon. I never knew Rahab and Babylon were lost sons. I thought those were the bad guys. You know, that's how the Bible, that's how these um, Christians would make you see it. Oh, no, those are the bad guys. Oh, Babylon. Oh, don't go to Babylon. Oh, my God. He's still in Egypt. Mm. No. Those are lost sons. The Lord says that I record them. I record them among those who acknowledge me. So, guess what? Your name is not in a special chapter. You're in the same chapter as them. Are you hearing me? And God will say, this one was born in Zion. So when they call Spart Nation all kinds of names, let them know, listen, Babylon 2 is recorded. So if you, if you now see us as Egypt, Guess what? We're with you. Verse 5. Indeed of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself will establish her. Oh my God. The Lord will write in the register of the peoples, this one was born in Zion. As they make music, they will sing, all my fountains are in you. Can someone just go to that Luke 15? And just read from verse 19. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was, a, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. Wow. And is alive again. Wow. He was lost wow. and is found. So they began to celebrate. Oh, Father, Father, 
Why have you forsaken me? The cries of Jesus on the cross. After he was lost, and he knew he was lost, So, you know, sometimes I need you to just, don't use the Bible as, don't be scared to read it. You see the way you enjoy watching Power and uh, all those stuff? Yeah. Shadi, I know you watch Power, it's fine. It's okay. It's okay. You watch those things, right? Fine. If you can have a creative mind also, you know, the world calls it imagination. But I want to know, when a man took on sin and died, he took on sin and he became lost in the eyes of his father. He was once a good man. What was it like when he came back? You see this verse you're reading. You, wanna, you want to know, does my God have emotion? This is what happened to Christ when he came back through heaven. This was the reaction. Are you hearing me? Oh, my son was dead. He's alive again. Did this guy in the story die? No. My son was dead. He's alive again. He was lost. He is now found. <laughs> so the issue then is not the lost part. That's not the issue. Because if you're lost, they just need you to come back. But Christ achieved one thing in being lost. When he came back, he said, you see where I went. There were many people there. You have more sons there. Founding fathers. Founding fathers need lost sons. If I'm going to be a founding father in the financial industry, I'm going to need to find a lost son. Some guy that spent so long out there. I'm going to need to bring him back. So that he can tell me, this is what we do when we go. Because I've lived in the land. Founding fathers. Lost sons. Lot was lost in a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham would have wanted for Lot not to leave him. But Lot has to be lost for God to know what happens in that city. Do you get it? Is there anyone we can save there? 
No. You only know that because he's there. Is there anyone? No. But Lot and his family, no one else. Okay, let's go in. I'm just saying, it's much easier to win when we understand how. So if I want to win in a certain ground, I'm looking for souls. I'm looking for souls. Gabby, you're in the trading world now. Hope you're not joining them for after work drinks. <laughs> Such a useless culture, you know. It's after work drinks. You know about that. You go there and you talk about everything that does not happen in the office. So what's the point? What are we talking about? Everything that does not happen. And so it becomes a gathering of gossiping. Gathering of gossiping. Gathering of gossiping. But as you're there, you begin to locate, this one is a lost son. I can sense from their behavior and their spirit that they're lost. That's all. They're part of my family. If you're, you know, if you're from the family, you know your brothers and sisters, right? So Jesus then asked them, so who is my brother? It's not the ones I'm born into their family. They're amongst the ones that are lost, but I know the kingdom is inside them. Are you with me? He had to do one final recovery of a sheep. One final recovery of a lost soul. Do you know where I'm going? One final recovery of a lost soul. These ones were so lost, he, he needed that full portion of sin on him <laughs> to get close to them. And he didn't meet them till he got on the cross. And when he met them, he started speaking to his brothers and he said to both brothers, you know I'm your brother as well. And only one of them understood I'm from this guy's family. You know, in that meeting with Pastor Toby, let me just tell you something. So winning. If you're not so winning in your industry, you're not doing anything. Don't get me wrong. It's great to stand outside the train station and evangelize. I love that. That's amazing. You still get souls. But in the place where I work, the place of my passion, I should, and it is my role, to find my family members. I don't know how it's happened that this woman, Indian lady, and she's, she's the director of this hedge fund, 
I think I told you about her last time. But I know I've won her soul. She called me the other day. And she said, oh my gosh, I've just seen you on TV. I was thinking, what's that? Then I remembered the BBC documentary and I felt, oh my God. Because in that documentary, I was sitting in Pastor's, uh, <laughs> on the armchair in Pastor's room and they, they announced all of us as these are the gang members, <laughs> the, the former murderers that Pastor Toby is saving. And I'm there in the middle. So I was hoping, <laughs> hoping that she doesn't say, ah, you didn't tell me that you're coming from a hard life. She said, no, I saw you on TV. Who's that guy? Toby, Pastor Toby. I said, yes, so um, that's, that's my boss, basically. That's the boss of my company. You know, I just make sure I put Pastor Toby like that. It, it helps me. She said, you know what? Let's have a meeting. Let's go out. Let's have lunch. I would love to meet this man. In my head, I'm thinking, <laughs> this guy doesn't, have, doesn't care about what you have to say with these financial things, you know, <laughs> he's, he's SPAC nation. But anyway, I sat down with them. They were saying all kinds of things about SPAC. They were just in awe because we're helping these people, we're helping those who are in gangs, we're helping this. And so they found it so amazing and said, so is this the reason why you do finance? I said, yeah. Curtis, why are you laughing? I said, yeah, this is the reason, this is why I do it. Because guess what? If I make money today, what's it going to do? It's going to pay for Tulsa Community Unit. It's going to pay for Eastside. You, you know someone like me, if 50, 100, 200K comes in, you know what seat time, you know what will happen, isn't it? So it's not going to be like, oh, seat time came, Pastor, oh, made 300K, and Tulsa seat is 20K. It's going to be, Tulsa seat will be one ridiculous number. Yeah? So it's for this reason. So I said to them, okay, you want to meet him? I'm going to get him in a meeting with you. So I organized the meeting, and that's when Pastor Toby met with them yesterday. I organized a meeting for them. I have never seen people so excited. Maybe it's just us because we're in the, in the SPAC thing. We don't see him like that. But I've never seen people so excited to meet someone. so excited so when we sat down on the dinner table they started saying so many things and I was saying to myself but we've been working together for one year why haven't you told me <laughs> why haven't you told me these things this guy doesn't care about what you're saying so if I was told me that this, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's wow that's awesome oh you know he says those stuff and then she says, talking, 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 talking. And then her managing director starts speaking. Nur, nur, nur. And the pastor says, whoa, uh, what's your name again? Okay, yeah. So, nur, nur. And, they, and they don't care. They don't care. They're, they're just excited. So, pastor now wants to start talking. And she goes, no, don't say a word. I'm not done yet. And we're like, she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm just too excited. I'm like, ah, you manage like $3 billion. She's like, we can do this. Let's do that. Da, 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 da. And all Pastor Toby goes, is, yeah, I'm excited to work with you. And um, you <laughs> yeah, I just want you to work with um, Pastor Onion. Like, yeah, don't worry. They know I'm a pastor already. It's fine. 
Apostle Pastor Oni and Judah, we can work together. Just, wow, we're just so happy and grateful we can work with you. Okay, meeting done. In the middle of that meeting, I'm, that's when I started seeing everything. I said, so all this time, you guys have all these projects. You didn't bring them to me. The power of winning souls. It's not that I wasn't trying to work with them. But it's this. I put ministry before finance. And I made it clear to them in the beginning, see, this is the truth. I'm a pastor, okay? I know we're doing deals. But sometimes you will call me, I won't pick up. I may be in Tulsa. They say, what's Tulsa? I'll explain it to you later. But I may be in Tulsa, giving the word, blah, 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 blah. So I've, I've made it very clear to them and open. For me, I believe those are lost sheep. Yes, she's Indian. Yes, she's Sikh. But she believes in me. Do you understand? She believes in me and that's enough. I want you guys to begin to think to yourselves on how much effort have you really been putting in when it comes to finding your kind. When it comes to finding the different Adams and Eves in your places where you have passion for. Because if you've taken on the role of God, if you've taken on the role of Christ as a believer, then sincerely you're watching everything from a Garden of Eden point of view. And what you're doing is you're spotting men and you're connecting men with other men. You're giving life. Do you remember what Pastor spoke on Thursday? You're now a life giver. Adam is not a life giver. So you're not Adam. Do you hear me? You're the one who gives life. Who are you giving life to? I've written it in my notes that my full concentration now will just be on the pastors, the leaders, the ministers, the evangelists, and all those who want to be leaders. So I just, I just want to focus now in this point of my life in pastoring leaders. And so maybe some of you got instruction from me on, oh, what's your monthly giving? Where do you work? This and that. And some of you replied. It's the ones that replied that I'm working on. And I'm doing that because I want to be accountable for souls because now I know how much interest God has in souls. I need to have a book with my log on, Lord, these are the ones, these are the ones, these are the ones you gave me. When Christ prayed, it's the only thing he said. Now look, the ones which you gave me, I've lost none of them. You think, you think it's because we're in the same building means they gave you to me? If I send out simple, simple instruction or just send me your wahala problem. I said, Lord, these are the ones you gave me. Now I know what they do, who they are, how old they are, where they work, how much they sow, how much they make. So if you're ever going to pull me up, pull me up on these ones. 
Because it's his business. Do you understand? Did you not know that I'll be about my father's business? I, w- I just want us to go into a time of questions now. I know we've not done this before. But we'll have a brief time of questions for the next five, ten minutes. Hi, Pastor. I, I wanted to ask what constitute a soul that's one? Because obviously it's not, oh, okay, so you're now going to go and give your life to Christ. So when you say that you've won that soul, what exactly does that mean? Okay, so what would it mean to say a soul has been won? So, you know, the Lord said, if you believe in me, yeah? You know, Jesus Christ never preached about Christianity. Can I just speak to leaders, yeah? All right, so nobody here is like religious, going to crucify me or anything, okay? He said, if you believe in me, there's a place in the world where you can grow, and if you grow enough where you can look like your master, if you can look like Christ, then those who believe in you, you've won them. So that's why Paul said, imitate me, like I imitate Christ. Because Paul was basically saying, see, I've met the master, you've not. So follow me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is everybody with me? Follow me as I follow him. That's why Christ was saying, when I come, I will say to some of you, you did not do this, you did not do that. But he wasn't here. Do you get You know what saved Jonathan? Saul's son, Jonathan. What saved him was just that he believed in David. His his father didn't. He believed in David. So much so that he was spared his life before he died. Because when David came to the throne, David should have killed him and all those in Saul's family. So there are those people who it's just for them to believe in you. Once you've, once you've matured to a place where God knows that from Dr. Emma's mouth will never come slander against the kingdom of God. It is trustworthy that someone can believe in her because there's only one place she's going to lead them. Do you understand? The Lord blessed Abraham's house only because he knew the, how he would raise his children to believe in the Lord God. Yeah? Does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Please feel free to ask questions, okay? What's the difference between a lost son and um, a soul that's just not part of the vision? Okay, so remember, a founding father is someone who has founded or is assisting in the finding of a movement. Yeah? A movement or an industry or whatever. So, for example, there's a movement called Spat Nation. But within that movement called Spat Nation, there's also a movement called Abbey's Law Firm. Yeah? Now, Abbey can win the souls of people 
who inside them, they don't really attach to Spark Nation, but they're attached to her law firm. Do you get it? They're still lost sons because her firm is within that vision. Does that make sense? Then also, she may go out and win a who's attached to the nation, but not attached to their, her firm. They're still lost sons. It is impossible for you to find someone who's not a part of a vision you're leading. Because you're either leading in the capacity of the nation, or you're leading in the capacity of what you've been sent. Because, for example, imagine you meeting someone, how are you going to connect with them? Because all you're talking about is one of those two things. The lady I'm telling you about, I don't tell her, oh, give your life to Christ, join the Spark Nation. I don't tell her that. But I have a vision in what I'm doing in finance, and she believes in it. Do you understand? For that reason, she's a lost son. Because she's going to work her whole might to push that vision. Are you with me? Yeah? Any, any other question? <laughs> Just in case they ask me hard question now, God. Um, what what advice would you give with regards to, like, trying to evangelize in the workplace? Because obviously, in the work setting, there are things that you, you kind of have to be careful with, with regards to what you say, who you speak to, and stuff like that. So. If, if, if you're at your work setting and you still need to say Jesus Christ's name to evangelize, it's not really your work. So that one is job. Jonathan. Because when you're in that place of passion, it's, it's you. That's, that's the place where you're in the fullness of him. So anyone that connects with you there, they're connecting with Christ. Not you. For example, it's like someone connecting with Pastor Toby in Spark Nation. It's not Toby. It's Pastor Toby. Do you understand? If you, if you connect with him in that setting, it's, clearly, it's clear who you're speaking to. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you walk into work and you're still having to speak, call Alex, please. You're still having to say, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> no, that one is job. It's job. Do you know how Joseph won a whole nation? It's said that he provided so much solution to the Pharaoh that the Pharaoh said, this one must have the spirit of God. But because they were unbelievers, they didn't say the spirit of God. They said the spirit of the gods must be in him. Because you know they worship a lot of gods. So to them, they just said, ah, the spirit of Ra and all these gods must be in this guy. That's what saved that Pharaoh from God's wrath. That Pharaoh, I won't be surprised if you see him in heaven. It might, it might be. Do you understand? The Pharaoh that came after that, though, just hated the children of God. That's the one that you find Moses dealing with. Yeah? Yes, go ahead.
I was going to ask, do you almost wait for them to believe or do you make them, be like, where do you find that balance of working to make them believe and then just waiting for them to get the... I believe, okay, I think I get what you're saying. Now, so many things can happen in that setting. The spirit of excellence is a spirit that promotes people. When I say promotes, I mean advertises you. Yeah? Excellence can advertise you in a way where people get either jealous of you or they're attracted to you. Excellence can only do one of those two things. Yeah? When you, if, you're, if you see a man who is excellent, it brings him, show me, scripture says, show me a man who is diligent, excellent. He will stand before kings. But as he's standing before kings, there's also people that are like, why is this guy there? Do you understand? So now, that spirit itself is the one that will attract people to you who are lost sons. They're attracted to your spirit because that's them. That's what they want to be. Do you get? Now, there are also those who, it may take certain results for them to know who you are. Let me give you an example. So then Christ called Nathaniel from under the tree. Now Christ knew Nathaniel. He's not like as easy as the other guys. He can't just say, follow me, let's go. And we go. So what he did was, he gave him one serious prophecy. I saw you sitting under the tree in this place. What street were you in? Mm, uh, Southampton Way, Peckham. Da, da, da. Do you understand? Once he has said that to Nathaniel, the guy stepped up and like, yeah, you're the son of God. So there's people who would also need results. Do you understand? They'll need to see results before they can believe. So it doesn't then mean that, oh, you've met someone that's hard. Oh, this person's hard. They're not. No. There's results that you have to show. And that's why I said it's by your fruits. Yeah? Imagine being in a place where you have no fruits. There's souls that you miss out on that are lost sons. Because they're hoping to see something to follow. Not all of them can just at first glance say, ah, this is the son of God, we're following him. That's John and his brother, whatever his name is. James. Okay? I don't, does that answer? Mm -hmm. Any more questions? Mr. Silver. Sir, I can see that happening in my workplace already, but how do I multiply that? Which one? that fact of having a certain group of people believing in you and wanted to be around you or you around them. Yeah, so when you, when you start receiving, when people start becoming attracted to you, remember, if I'm ordained as a pastor, it's because they brought me out in front of everybody to ordain me. That's the only way you know that I'm a pastor. Does it mean I was a pastor before? I was a pastor before, yeah? Thank you. But you now just know. So in actual fact, the founding fathers are all pastors. Do you understand? So founding fathers and apostles are people who find people or they find nations. At that point, 
you treat them as a community unit leader. So, Pastor Eben now goes to her workplace in Mayfair, in, uh, what's the name of your firm again? Boat Partners. But there are 10 ladies and three guys that draw towards her. It then just means that Tulsa Hill doesn't stop on Tuesday. For her, it continues on Wednesday also. Do you get? But she's got a go there with a different form of Tulsa Hill. She's not going to come out and say, okay, there's about to be exhortation, there's about to be testimony time. Testimony time will be, how are you doing? What are you up to? What's the good news? Do you understand? That's testimony time. You may decide to add special number. <laughs> Do you understand? You may decide to add special number, bring out your phone, go on Twitter or something, show them something your nation is doing. That's special number, because what special number does is it breaks the person down before you attack. Isn't it? Don't go and show them Thursday service, all of everybody praying. <laughs> show them, oh, see what happened last Sunday and da, 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 you know, this was happened, this happened, this is funny. Or look, show them a win. The nation just did this. We're on the Daily Mail. Da, 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 da. Yeah? Special number. And then you give them the word. The word, you just open your mouth and you speak. Remember, they've already given their testimony. So you already know where to go. It's not rocket science. So you're not going to now start praying. You know, we, we get spiritual. Oh, Lord, I'm just praying in the spirit. Tell me how to speak in the spirit. No, go and say hello. <laughs> say hi. Ask them how they're doing. And see what they say. Then just start hitting there. Sometimes I'm in, I'm in meetings and I'm counseling. And the person's like, whoa, sir, you just know so much about me. I'm like, <laughs> I've asked so many questions. What else is there not to know? Do you understand? Does that, does that help you? Yeah, so you just, your unit just continues for you. You're in power base, or elites, which one? So you become Pastor Daniel on Wednesday. Yeah? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, up until Sunday, then you sit down, you listen to the word. Then Monday, you continue your work again, Pastor Daniel. Then Tuesday, you sit down again and listen to the actual guy preach to you. Yeah? Any, any other questions? Please feel free. There's time. I don't know why Alice is taking so long. There's time. Ask me questions, please. Okay. No, no, no. Go for it. If you're the only one that has questions, then you're the only one that gets wiser. Earlier, earlier you were talking about connecting um, an Adam to a life giver. And in one of your previous um, leadership class, you talked about building skyscrapers. Yes. I don't know how to connect what I'm trying to ask, but me doing that, connecting, connecting, for example, the head of finance with Pastor Daniel, I'm connecting a life giver that I'm creating a skyscraper. Is that what you were trying to say? Yes. So let me just explain that class again. You know, in that class, we spoke about the Tower of Babel, and we spoke about skyscrapers. And I was just using that analogy to say that the Tower of Babel is still build, being built today in many places amongst different people. Okay? Why? The reason why is because when they built the tower, 
They built it for a purpose. To do what? To see God. But what we then understand is that it wasn't to see God. They were looking for the Holy Spirit that they missed out on in the garden. Are you with me? So it was when Christ came, Christ then completed building the tower and told them, wait for me in the upper room at the top of the tower. I've finished building it. Wait for me there. You will finally see what you've been looking for. So they got to the upper room and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Yeah? So your role now as a believer, I was saying, is what you're, whatever you're building, it's soul-based. You're putting people and joining people. Yeah? But you're not building people out of, you're not building with people with no life. Because you're a life giver, you add people, you give life to them. Okay? Are you with me? You add people, you give life to them. You add people, you give life to them. You add people, you give life to them. Then you go to Second Peter, it says that you are being built as living stones. Yeah? So God was upset with them with the Tower of Babel because they were using brick, not stone. So their tower was not a living tower. It was, it was dead people. They were trying to meet the Holy Spirit based off of building with dead people. Not going to happen. Do you understand? You know, that's why I think for me, anyways, what I've found is when we meet a contact, it's first evangelism before we get into business. It's almost like you're kick-starting them before you can work with them. That's what I've realized with, with myself. They may be a big, powerful person. doesn't matter who they are. But it just so happens to be, there'll be a period of getting to know them. Then they've got, they come to church, and then some things happen, or they come to us, or they begin to just understand who you are and what you do. It, at that moment, you've given life. Uh-huh. Then you're looking for someone else to add. Does, did that answer you? Say, okay, go on. Wh- where didn't you get? Yes, you can do that, but okay, I get what you're saying. So you're saying you bring them to someone to do that. Yeah. You bring them to Pastor Daniel. It's still building. It's still the same thing. Even if it's not you, if it's your pastor, if it's your leader, it's still the same thing as far as life is entering those people. Okay? Earlier you spoke about angels. I just had a question. Is it like there's a designated angel to every person? But is it like if they're not really activated in their duty until you let go of like earthly ways or until you've acknowledged your spirit form and gone into that life? Because you said that like they go back to heaven saying, I can't find the soul that I'm designated to. Is it, do you have to get to a certain point before they can activate in your life? Or are they always watching? Okay, so when I was speaking about angels, number one, I believe everybody's got uh, an angel. Okay, the scripture. Lavelle's looking at him like, whoa, this is a serious question. But I'll, I'll do my best. I believe everyone has an angel. It's scriptural because when Peter knocked on the door when he was imprisoned, th- they said, no, it must be his angel. Do you understand? But 
But we must also acknowledge scripture that says that the Lord is looking for his lost sheep. And so if he's looking for his lost sheep, that means there are some who, the angels are there, but again, angels are spirit beings, so there's not much they can do with them because those people are lost. And God has appointed the job to find the lost. He's appointed that job to men. That's why he sent his son. Yeah? That's why Christ did not come as a spirit. He came as a man. You understand? So it's, it's you and I. It's our job to bring them back. That's our own work. Whether he or she has an angel or not, it's our work to bring them back. But I'm telling you, because scripture says, speaks of the celebration and the rejoice in bringing back a soul, I'm saying there's no way you're bringing back a soul and that person's soul is not rejoicing. Do you understand? I mean, that person's angel is not rejoicing. There's no way. Because remember, that person's lost. There's li- maybe, maybe a divine intervention and angel can help them once or twice, but it's not their work. Do you understand? It's our work to bring them back. So once you brought that person back now and there's celebration in heaven, who's celebrating? We're, the on- we're not in heaven. So clearly, there's a family there that rejoices on behalf of that guy. So if they're throwing a party because, hey, Vicky has just brought someone back, that person's angel is amongst the celebration now. And if they're amongst the celebration, because let's not make them look like spooky beings and stuff, yeah? They're talking, they're chatting, they're ministers, yeah? That's what the word of God says. If they're rejoicing, what are they saying? Is Vicky's name not a part of what they're talking about? Are you with me? Oh, we're rejoicing. Um, This boy has just come back. They're going to mention Vicky's name. And what I think is because I know scripturally, of course, with what we're saying, if Vicky also has an angel, her angel is also too happy that, hey, we've brought a soul back. Does that make sense? Did that help you? Okay. So that's to the best of my knowledge using scripture. So I don't step out of scripture, using scripture to answer that. Anybody else? Um, so you spoke about basically there's a place you can get to where you make your sowing worthless if you fall into the trap of inflation. How does yeah. one not actually fall into the trap of inflation where they're putting so much value on their sowing? Okay. Uh, central banks and inflation was an interesting class. Um, what it showed us was it showed us the power of leadership and structure. What it showed us is that it's important to be following a leader who cares about people because guess what? That leader's mess affects his sheep. Yeah? So, is that nursery rhyme? <laughs> it's fine. I think it's divine dance. That's why it's okay. So, okay. So what usually happens then is what inflation is, inflation is when, let's just say, uh, the paper money is 50 pounds. With inflation, it's now worth 1p, but it's a 50 pound note. Yeah? So guess what? To buy bread, you're going to need like 1,000. Yeah? No, maybe you're going to need 250 pound notes. How much is bread? Two, two pounds? Huh? 
Good, good brethren. So, <laughs> so you're go okay, let me just say, you're going to need a, a, a couple of those 50 pound notes. Do you understand? So all of a sudden, that paper is now almost worthless. So what we're saying is what sin does, because pride is actually the exalting of yourself, it's inflation. So with pride, you're exalting yourself. You're, you're really just worth 20 pound, but you're rolling in there like you're worth a thousand. And they're just really saying to you, nah, you need more paper. You need more coins to spend, okay? Now, I said that because let's just say as a unit we're trying to achieve something and we're sowing towards the ground. The way in which our heart sows can make a 20K offering more than it is. That's why when Christ gave that example, he said, oh, he gave the example of two people. He said a rich man gave and a woman gave her only coin. He said, which one sold more? Do you understand? So with this analogy, you know that, no, even though this one only had one coin, she gave more than the other guy. Does that make sense? Oh. Abu Bakr. <laughs> um, you spoke about um, you get to a point where you become Christ and then when people believe in you it's basically them believing in Christ how do you know when you get to that point or that's my question okay so remember to become the only begotten son what did we learn you must do what Wow, Abby, you know. Abby, why do I always feel like you would never answer something like that? That's not good of me. That's not good of me. That's, uh, that's an excellent, that's the, that's the answer. Remember when Dr. Bakari was talking about it? Christ became the begotten because he gave up his will. Yeah? Anyone else? If, if so, then we can just end there. Yeah? We can just end there. Let's just, let's just rise to our feet and just thank the Lord. We break for...